Part four of Herein is Love by Rule Howe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley. Herein is Love, a study of the biblical doctrine of love in its bearing on personality, parenthood, teaching, and all other human relationships by rule l howe part four what is christian fellowship christian fellowship is the relation of men and women who by the power of the holy spirit participate in the life and work of christ christian living is participation in the continued living of christ through the activity of his spirit this concept stands in sharp contrast to the ones held by the church members described in the first chapter. The source of the Christian's life is not knowledge about God, or even our historical remembrance of his incarnate life, although they contribute to it. Neither is it to be found in a determined imitation of Christ's life, although that effort also will help. Nor is it in the good will of man which along with his power of love is likewise found to be ambiguous no the true source of the christian life and of the christian relationship is the incarnation of his spirit in the lives of men the presence and working of his spirit transforms our own spirit and provides a new dynamic for our living this does not mean that we cease to be human. The old conflicts are still there, and the old battles must continue to be fought. But a new power of being and of love is given to us by the indwelling spirit. Just now we referred to the incarnation of his spirit in us. The concept of incarnation is an ancient one in Christianity and represents the embodiment of God in the human form of the historic Jesus, who participated in the life of man as man, in order that man through him might participate in the being of God. What happened is known to us all. The incarnation produced the life of Jesus, his death, resurrection, and the coming of his spirit. These are not once for all historic events, as was the life of Julius Caesar or of George Washington. Through him a new power of love was released into life that continues unto this day. B.C. and A.D. are not merely a way of dividing time, but are our way of acknowledging that in the life of Jesus of Nazareth, something radically different entered into life a new dynamic that changed the nature of creation we participate in the historic incarnation of jesus of nazareth which took place nineteen hundred years ago by the daily incarnations of his spirit in our individual lives and in the life of the people of god and since his incarnation meant god's entry into the world so likewise the indwelling of his spirit in us also should mean god's entry into our world and into its conflicts and issues we are christians by doing what he did in the world 
which was to have a care and a responsibility for others. His spirit seeks to incarnate himself in the day-to-day -day decisions of every responsible person in every sphere of his living. Thus, the mother not only serves God by her decisions and actions in the home, but through these same decisions and actions she may believe that God is present and accomplishing his purposes for her and for the members of her family. So likewise, a businessman's sphere of Christian action is carried out in the decisions and work of his business. But also he may believe that in and through these same decisions and work, God seeks to accomplish his purpose. So the principle of incarnation means that God is both served and met at the points of decision and responsibility of our daily lives. And this is what it means to participate in his life by the power of his spirit to bear the true mark of the christian in the context of these thoughts we may now look at the three parts of the earthly life of jesus christ and as we examine them the idea of participating in his life may become clearer participation in the life of christ First of all, there is his earthly life, the life of the man Jesus, whom we call Lord and Savior, the Christ. This life gives us the picture of what God meant man to be. Here is the perfect portrait of God's creation, man. It is a stirring picture, and we love to look at it, contemplate it, read about it. It is a dull mind and heart that does not quicken in response to his amazing compassion and strength. And as we study his instructions to us, it becomes clear that he expects us to be to our generation what he was to his. When we realize what his teaching and commandment require of us, our sense of the beauty and simplicity of his life is overshadowed by the terror aroused in us by his expectation of us we know that the ugliness of our lives can never reproduce the beauty of his from a human point of view the imitation of christ is a complete impossibility and one wonders how so many christians can go on generation after generation thinking that this is their task and that they can accomplish it yet it is clear that he expects us to be members of his body and to do his work in our time is it possible that he asks us to do something that is beyond our powers of accomplishment if this is so then far from being savior he is one of the most cruel of men there must be some other answer the answer, of course, is that Christ did not leave us alone to carry out his commandments, summed up in the great commandment, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Luke 10.27 He understood only too well the ambiguity of our lives how understanding he was of vacillating peter and yet he called him the rock had peter possessed any self-understanding he must have wondered why his lord gave him that name but after the resurrection and the coming of the holy spirit peter 
became the rock, because then he incarnated the spirit of his Lord. As with Peter, so with us. The presence of the spirit makes possible an imitation of Christ. Now we can read the Gospels without dread, and not as patterns for us to imitate literally and slavishly. The New Testament provides the understandings that help us to test whether or not we are responding to his spirit and letting him accomplish his work in and through us. Thus, like Peter, we may become rocks incarnating the spirit of our Lord. Nor do we need to be embarrassed by our humanity. We begin to sense that we cannot be Christian without first being human which means that we shall be both loving and hostile, both righteous and sinful, both courageous and cowardly, both dependable and vacillating. We are in the world and of the world as other men are, and we share the lot of human existence. But in addition, we have been given the spirit of power and love and self-control, not that we may be condescending toward the world, or try to regulate it as if it were a recalcitrant child, but that we may be embodiments of the Spirit of God in human affairs through whom he may accomplish his purposes in the world. In the process, because his Spirit is in us, men will know that they have seen Jesus. Thus we may come to understand the life of the people of God, to find therein a basis for a true evangelism, and thus we may participate in the life and teaching of Christ, which are at once our ideal and pattern of living, and at the same time our judgment. Participation in the Crucifixion Since the life of the Christian is participation in his own time, in the life of Christ, he must participate also in the crucifixion and death of his Lord, which were a part of his life. Christ's crucifixion and death were a natural consequence of his teaching and of the way in which he lived. The acceptance of the unacceptable, the loving of the unlovable, inevitably produces the necessity of the cross, which itself must be chosen and accepted if the life of love is to be triumphant. We would like to evade this part of Christian living, if that were possible. The cross and all that it represents is the part of the Christian gospel that we would prefer to skip. The lives of church people reveal only too clearly how much they wish it were possible to move directly from the contemplation of the ideal to its actualization, and to bypass the experience of crucifixion and its meaning for us. Lovers, for example, would like to move from the contemplation of the romantic ideal of their love to its realization in their lives. But the full meaning of their love cannot become available to them except as they pass through the challenges and crises of their relationship and die to themselves for the sake of the other. Nor can anyone master a skill or a field of study except as he moves from the vision of what he might do to its realization through the path of self-discipline, which is a kind of dying to himself 
and to other values which he might choose and cultivate. Jesus Christ affirmed by his teaching and life this principle of disciplined self-giving. If we would be partakers of his resurrection, we must be willing to be buried with him in his death. We are expected to show forth his death till he comes, and we do this by dying daily. In one sense, the life of the Christian is a life of dying. Being buried with Christ in his death is symbolized in the act of baptism, especially when it is administered by immersion and accompanied with such a scripture verse as, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Romans 6.4 See also Colossians 2.12 In other words, we have to expect the pain of our relationships and accept the responsibility of them for the sake of the glory in them that may be revealed later. We are to accept the unacceptable in ourselves and in others, because on the cross Christ accepted the unacceptable in all men. This is what produced the cross, and so he died bearing the sin of man while he perfectly fulfilled his own teaching, that is, he was perfectly obedient to the full meaning of love. We too have to die daily to our desire for peace and any price, to our desire to work out convenient and comfortable compromises, and to our desire to be God and to have things run our own way. Thus we come to realize the meaning of his words. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. Mark 8.35 The Christian fellowship, therefore, is the fellowship of men and women who accept dying as a part of living, and who are not surprised by the presence in human relations of selfishness, betrayals, misrepresentations, hostility, and all other violations of the ideal. When we meet these things, we should not run away or pretend that such conditions do not exist. Instead, we should face these hostile and negative human responses with courage. Because we are participating in the life of our Lord, we may move through these experiences knowing that nothing can really separate us from the love of God which seeks to make itself known in and through our relations with one another. We may trust that if we accept the pain that we have in our relations with one another and are obedient to the spirit of the love that seeks to reunite man with man, we may emerge on the farther side of the painful experience with relationships that are richer, deeper, and stronger than they were before. An excellent illustration of this principle is to be found in Tennessee Williams' play cat on a hot tin roof the point of which many people miss because of what they regard to be the vulgarity profanity and licentiousness of its characters in the play brock the son evaded his problems with himself his father his wife and his work through an excessive use of alcohol his father big daddy in his rough profane way was greatly concerned about his son. 
finally in a tremendous scene between big daddy and brock the father pursued his son through every kind of evasion and rationalization in a determined effort to break through to his heart nothing that brock could say to his father was sufficient to cause big daddy to turn away he could easily have abandoned his sick boy and evaded the pain of what he was trying to do instead he hammered at the door of brock's life with a love that was willing to accept every rejection that his son could offer and he did not give up finally he broke through reached his boy and brought him back to his life with his family and his work because he was willing to die to himself and every comfortable impulse big daddy was free to be the instrument of saving love here was a dramatic portrayal of the truth which our lord not only taught but exemplified and which he would like to see reproduced in the lives of all of us incidentally it is ironical that so many christian people missed the real message of this play because they were so easily offended by that which is not pretty in human life it is a shame that we would rather be pretty than redemptive we seem to place respectability above salvation christians ought to be able to see through and behind the dirty and sinful ways in which people live and recognize them as symptoms of a spiritual condition that calls for that which god is trying to give them through us it is tragic that some would-be christians like mrs straight become so moralistic that they condemn rather than help people christ could see behind the suffering of men behind their sins and he was not distracted by what they did he was concerned for men first and for their behavior last he knew that if he could reach the man the behavior would take care of itself we are supposed to be like him men and women who because his spirit indwells us and because we participate in his living and dying we are able to see the hearts of other men and women and to unite them with the power of god's love and forgiveness participation in the resurrection this kind of living would bring us to our third participation in the life of christ namely in his resurrection because he is faithful to his love and willing to die in obedience to his demand he was raised up in triumph and with him all things were made new these were the events of his life but his life affirms the principle of god's life as it is lived in human existence since his spirit incarnates itself in us then we may expect that our lives will be triumphant also and be the source of renewal for others another criticism that we can make of christians is that they do not have this sense of expectancy this sense of deliverance this sense of triumph and this appearance of having been renewed all too often we are grim and sad discouraged and cynical and our lives contradict 
the faith we profess. However, because we participate in his resurrection, we are given the wonderful power of facing any problem with courage, even though it may seem, from a human point of view, that no solution is possible. We live in the faith that if we consent to be buried with Christ in his death, we shall be made partakers of his resurrection. And this, not in the hereafter, but now, in this present life. A father told me of an incident with his son that illustrates the principle we are now considering. He and his son had become involved in a quarrel, and both had lost their tempers. The father confessed that he had said some harsh and cruel things to his boy. Finally, however, he came to himself, realized what he was doing, and dying to his pride, he acknowledged his fault and asked his son's forgiveness. When the exchange was over, the boy was still rather subdued, but later when he came through the room where his father was seated, he called out cheerily, Hi, Pop! The cheerful greeting of the son was a sign of the triumphant relationship between father and son, and in the human relationship the father was participating in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, our participation in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ will give us courage, faith, and hope. This way of life will not save us from the pain of human living, nor will it save us from going through dark times of indecision and lack of faith. We shall, however, be able to live our lives out of the power of the triumphant life that God lived in human life. Our worship is yet another way in which we participate in the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord. In worship, we bring our lives to the judgment of Christ's teaching and life, and these reveal how unequal we are to live his life, and how greatly we need his Spirit to transform our lives. By our confession of our sins, we participate in his death for us and for our sins, and the assurance of his forgiveness enables us to participate in his resurrection so that we may rise to our feet make a confident offering of ourselves, and sing our praises of thanksgiving. The Christian, we conclude, is one in whom the Spirit of Christ is incarnate. By the power of the Spirit, he participates in the life of Christ, so that the presence of Christ and his Spirit has contemporary power and meaning in the arena of human relations. The love of God is for the world, and this world love of God should be reflected in the devotion of his people to his work in the world. End of Part 4 According by Bill Mosley, Milano County, Texas, USA